Well, hi, everyone, and welcome along to the PHT Podcast. You know, travel is a lot like food. There are some of us who just stick to what they know, the hamburger and fries, if you will. But then there are some of us who like to go off the menu and try something a little bit more exotic. That is so true with today's guest, Joe McLaren from the Glenelg office. Lovely to see you, Joe. Hello, Leith. How are you? I'm Excited very well. to be here. Um, is that fair when it comes to travel? You you look through the menu and you think, yes, that looks amazing, but... Gee, what about this little place yes, here? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I would. Yeah, I'm very, very curious. I'm a very curious. Some people would say I'm <laughs> asked too many questions, but I'm fascinated by migratory patterns mm-hmm. of people around the planet, and then with that, the language, the food, the yep. culture, the faiths there, and really, Lee, isn't it true that? Um, when we travel, we love looking at things, we love it, but we're curious about people. Mm, we yeah. come back and you ask somebody, what was a highlight of Bhutan? What was a highlight of wherever? And you say, oh, this dear old lady I met yep. or a child. or So that's us as humans, isn't I it? I find that now when people say, what's your favourite destination? It doesn't seem to be the destination mm. so much. It might be more the experience. Mm. It's something you've mm. experienced in mm. that destination mm which makes it your mm. favourite. You mentioned Bhutan. This is what we're talking about today. This is that little dish on the menu that's right down the bottom that <laughs> we've heard about. No one's really tried it, but you sort of, you dove in. Tell us all about Bhutan. Oh, and the amazing thing about Bhutan, Bhutan is a tiny Himalayan landlocked uh, country mm-hmm. way up in the Himalayas between Tibet and Nepal and north of India yep. and China and this on the north uh, yes north of and chi- south of China so it's landlocked it's only got something like 800,000 people it's a smaller population than Adelaide can you believe that and it is um, what's unique about Bhutan it only allows X amount of people to go there in a year. And I've always been, I had the privilege of travelling to Bhutan a couple of years ago with the Phil Hoffman Travel Group. And that was always a dream come true for mm. me because years ago as a young student, young traveller, based in Nepal for a period of time, I couldn't afford to go to Bhutan. And people go, why? You know, and, but what Bhutan did and has always done, they watched their neighbours, they watched Nepal and they watched you know, backpackers and travellers and tourists and millions of people climbing Mount Everest, and yep. which is wonderful. But Nepal is a beautiful place to mm. travel. And cleverly, uniquely, for whatever reason over all those decades, they've decided they didn't want that kind of very Buddhist, they're steeped in Buddhism. So they've got a strong family value base, respect for culture, respect for their environment and their wilderness, and they've kept it unique and culturally Mm. strong because of those values. So what they set in place years and years and years ago by... The royal family and the government and the governing body of monks and Buddhists and people is that uh, you had to pay X amount a day to get a visa to go to Bhutan, which really, which is nothing now because it includes you, you know, for us to travel there, but it really set the standard slightly above what a young backpacker would do, yep. as was me. Yep all those years ago that I was going to try and travel as far as I could on the smell of an smell of an oily rag and jump on every public bus and do whatever I could they didn't want me there all those years ago and they mm. still don't, don't <laughs> <laughs> so but they are they it's the warmest friendliest mm. place so yes whilst our visa might be a minimum of two hundred dollars a day um but those dollars all go into the 
into the tourism bank yep. and they get distributed to you, the professional guide, to me, the professional uh, coach operator, professional driver. Mm-hmm. So the experience you have once you get to Bhutan is like second to none yep. because it is j- so professional, so unique, so and it's the, they gauge their gross they grow they gauge their wealth in yep. gross national happiness. Now let's talk about that because it's an interesting philosophy and and there are some places that you'd get on TripAdvisor and you have to see this landmark or mm. that landmark. Mm. Bhutan doesn't appear to have that necessarily. Mm. Whilst there are amazing architecture which we'll talk about, but mm. as you say, it's the people, it's the vibe, it's the whole. This is a place that wants you to be happy. This is almost like a, it's something out of a movie, isn't it, where as long as you're a tourist in there and the country is happy and everyone's happy and getting along, that's a tick. Yes, and it's all happy. We're all happy. When we arrived, yep. Leith, when we arrived, when we flew into Paros International Airport and it's locked in the mount, it's in the mountains, a tiny bit of flat ground between Timpu, the capital, mm-hmm. along a river and um, and Paro. Now, there's only eight pilots registered to fly into that strip. And when we're flying in and everyone's getting excited and I'm looking around, you can start <laughs> seeing the snow-capped mountains and everyone's clapping and cheering. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. What's all this about? We land, you disembark uh, onto the tarmac and everyone just stands there and claps. Even the pilot standing there, his wife comes out with the dog and the children and I'm thinking, (laughs) was it really that difficult? Were we put at risk in any way? But it's the joy of being home in their mountains. And they don't climb, there's no um, smoking, there's Mm -hmm. no, even though marijuana's everywhere, but Mm -hmm. that's another story and they don't abuse it or it's just part of their, it's gross in the Himalayas, but they don't, they don't climb their mountains Mm -hmm. because, or they don't summit their mountains because they're sacred because we're steeped in Buddhism here. So everything about their culture and their lives. So we arrive into the airport at Paro, we finally decide, well, we better keep moving because everyone's clapping and cheering and all the locals are home (laughs) and they're back in their beautiful kingdom again. And, um, and then we go through immigration. They're all excited to see us. And we go through the, like, the, there's no such thing as a sad, low face. Mm. And the other thing that's amazing, the clothes, they all wear their national dress. So the men wear a go robe, mm-hmm. like a, a lovely, and the robes, the coloured robes, mm, which look like a tunic and they're scooped up with a belt at the waist and that creates a pocket to put yep. their things into. And their socks pulled up really high and their nice little shoes. And it's called a go robe for the men and a kira dress for the women. So they all wear their traditional clothes. We get through the airport and we arrive and here's our here's our professional guide waiting for us. And he's got his formal go on. So he's got his, it's almost like a black tie. He's okay. got white, white shirt underneath yep. and, um, and it's black and it's very formal. And we load into our little minivan and off, all the luggage goes in and off we go. And it's just like, it's such a privilege to be there. Mm. They call it the last Shangri-La. It's like the, um, it's referred to sometimes the land of the thunder dragon because of that magnificent. And some people would, if they think about it and think, and as you said, we'll get to architecture in more detail, but there's a monastery, a Buddhist monastery clinging to a mountain, which it's a pilgrimage to walk up there. However, that's, one of the symbols or one of the things people mecca to and even the indians hindus but they're just home the people are home so it's a country about happiness it's a nice balance isn't it which i guess the western world could probably take heed of so it's more it's not 
they want everyone to sort of be equal in mm. terms of sharing mm. the wealth, mm. the spiritual, mm. the material side, mm. I guess. And you sense that when you arrive. Mm. And Leith, the other gorgeous thing is that um, they had they tried to modernise a few years ago and they put stoplights, one set of stoplights in the middle of Timpu. Yep. And previously to the stoplights being in place, you had your man standing there with his white gloves and he's directing the traffic. Very, very proud of his position very mm. important for person very respected position as is everything whether you're a doctor a dentist a teacher a farmer you are all equal and you're all respected and you'll have a place in this wonderful world this kingdom and um they and so everyone got so upset because he lost his job because they put the stoplights in there thinking that might help some of the traffic yep. congestion <laughs> and um so they had to take them out and he got his job back and everyone's happy again. How good is that? Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Can we talk about that temple? Mm. Because, as you say, it's something out of a Hollywood film where it's it's the scene of where people go for their, you know, days, months, years of silence mm. or, you know, somebody's mm. hiding in... That's incredible, isn't mm. it? That alone... Mm. I mean, we, we're lucky enough to see a photograph, but to, to witness that in the mm. flesh mm. would just be incredible. Uh, just hanging. Yes, it is. It's called... Um, it's called... Um, the um that's right i'm going to edit this that's why i'm typing oh, these times okay, if you need okay. the time here so what's this uh, 9 40. it's called the tiger's nest yep the tiger's nest monastery and or that's our common name for it but what's so significant about this it is literally as if you've thrown one of those sticky mud balls there's yes. no respect <laughs> to this buddhist <laughs> temple to a high building or a mountain and it's yeah, stuck there cliff face, yeah, a amazing. cliff face and that is how treacherous it is to get up there and of course what happens it's still a, a working monastery yep. and um so there's monks in here but it's become a pilgrimage over the years that um even people from india will come hindus whatever your faith and of course as a as a person traveling to Bhutan a lot of people on our or a few people on our trip all of us were determined to walk it and some people just going to walk it mm. that's something they'd always wanted to do yep. and it's it's not you know anyone could do it it's lots of steps and yep. up and down and it's a few hours but it really is a um, a wonderful wonderful symbol and you can take a horse up a little pony up so yep. far or you can walk or um and the horses a little bit i walk i prefer to walk because once i saw what the ponies were doing they walked really 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 um uh close to the edge of the walkway <laughs> and they get out of the road and of the people and it's yep. like you're looking down the side and whilst the rhododendrons are pretty but mm. is bhutan a place where if you were spiritual if you're a spiritual traveler you would find something mm more to take out oh, of the yes. trip but if you're not i'm not particularly spiritual yes. but i imagine it's the kind of place where again you would become reflective or you would just maybe have a look <coughs> at yourself look at the locals and i know there's a photo you've got of a lady uh, one of the local villagers there who you know is blind but is happy with her lot in life this was the photograph uh, you're looking at leith this dear old lady uh, crimpled face beautiful soulful eyes traditional clothes we were way out in the west of uh, sorry the east towards tibet and we went to a monastery and this lady was nearly lent double she's probably used to being the paddy fields or yep. rice or she whatever just an elderly lady and she was walking you always walk clockwise so she was walking around the around the um, monastery around the monastery mm -hmm. because she was blind she and she'd 
spin the prayer wheels as she was going around, she would have a pebble or a stone and she'd be putting it on a window still. And then you watch her and I thought, what's she doing? And she would put the pebble up, she'd put her hand out flat and feel the other stones or the pebbles and she must have been counting how many times she was doing her circumnavigation of the monastery that day and that was her prayers and then she'd go home and get on with her life and say if you were traveling with your family with your children and perhaps you've got no interest in the spirituality or the or the the children and the people Mm. would come up to your children and they'd just look at your children and then they'd take your children's hand (laughs) and they'd want to take them and show them their school and their life and next thing they'd be all sitting playing together and next thing your son Bailey would be found something that looked like a Sharon or a ball and they'd be kicking and playing Mm. and just integrating and being children so it's a bit like what you hear about fiji where you know half of the appeal is the people yes you get that with the bhutanese as well can you give us some of the details in terms of uh, the language that is spoken the food the climate when's the best time for people to check out bhutan the language is the official language is um is Donka. Now, D-Z-O-N-G, Dong, is the name of these magnificent buildings you see everywhere. And yes, it could be a monastery. There'd be a monastery in there, but it's actually the the fortresses. So that was the centres of administration, of education, of absolutely everything, Mm -hmm. medical. It was like in the old days where they have a, uh, a palace or a kingdom or a fortress so everything was in there the equivalent of that is called a dong and uh, many of them still are the administrative centers the government center the local council they're the center for all the um festivals and everything so they spoke donka okay and so donka is the language the common language of bhutan Mm -hmm. english is taught in schools so we spoke English freely okay, yep. and the children even want to come up to you and say <laughs> hello because they recognise that you're not Bhutanese. Of course. And, um, but about 70% of the whole country is mountainous yep. and there's only a small percentage that is developed down on the flats and they deliberately do it that way. They've got enough rice and food. Yeah. To, they've, they could run. They, they've got enough hydro. They could produce enough hydroelectric powder to run the whole of electricity in India. Amazing. It is. It has got that potential. So but it's like a paradise. In it the is a paradise, yeah. but they fiercely protect it, mm. so it's not exploited. The other thing that's really interesting: archery is the national sport. Mm-hmm. So and also, which again is a peaceful sport. Yeah, it's one that's person, right. It's quiet. That's right. It is. Anyone can it do is. It. And there's this strange animal called the tacken, which is like a big. Oh, I suppose it's like a cow with this massive, big, heavy, thick face with these little horns. Okay. And the other amazing... Oh, the food's really quite interesting. Yes, there's a Hindu influence from yep. Indians. But I was going to say because there's culture everywhere, China and that's India. That's right, and Tibet ones. Tibet. Are, although nothing much culturally influenced from China because okay. the, the largest landlock, that is a real barrier. Yep. Those passes that go through there are treacherous mm. and they would be taken. Yes, mountain people live up in those mountains, but that's the barrier to Pretty China. Hard to get so there's access to Nepal, there's access to Tibet through the mountains, mm-hmm. and there's about three roads in the southern part of Nepal, of Bhutan which go into India. Sure. So yes, there is an Indian influence, influence in the plains. But some of the, the national dish is actually chilies with a creamy 
cheese sauce, mm-hmm. chilies. <laughs> so predominantly vegetarian. Sure. And um, also there's some fascinating places. The National Trees of Cyprus, think mountains. Yep. And also there's some other areas that we went to. We went into these. We saw a lot of yaks. So yak milk yep. drunk. And um, the other interesting thing is um, they're renowned for their festivals. So that's part of their culture. So a lot of people look at when these major festivals are on and they'll deliberately book their holidays to Good go to, to one go. of these festivals. I can imagine the flags flying, oh, Himalayas the in the background. The prayer flags. Yep. And every mountain pass, you'll see those prayer flags on bamboo poles yep. and they flutter so your prayers are flowing across that pass. Good for sad. goodwill. And the other interesting thing is um, times to travel. We're in the Bhutan's the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So m- turn your mind to the opposite of us. Yep. So our summer is, as we know, December through to February, yep. hot, hot, hot. Well, their, wind, their winter is that time in the, in the mountains. So they come into their spring as we come into our autumn mm-hmm. in whatever it is, April, May, no, March, April, May. Yep. And what, so that's a lovely time to travel. May, late April, May, you start some of your festivals and also leith all the uh, rhododendrons and magnificent flowers. So the, the mountains start just a blaze of red and pink and white. And when we were there in May, we caught the tail end of the rhododendron and, az- and azaleas. Yep. All these n- flowers that we know in our gardens come from the Himalayas. Amazing. And then another great time to travel is the equivalent of their, they go into their uh, a wet season then. And th- another t- nice time to travel is September. So, People that are listening to this podcast and thinking Bhutan, I'd like to check. What kind of traveller should go to Bhutan? Who would you recommend Bhutan to? A, bu- a traveller to Bhutan is... Often a, the travellers of whom came with me are curious travellers. Mm-hmm. We had a traveller and she was interested um, in transcript, which is an ancient language. And others, Buddhists will go for Meccas. Yep. Um, and also curious tra- trekkers mm-hmm. and walkers. So there's a lot of trekking and walking and cycling. And it's a really active holiday yep. place. So you'll get a lot of um, people running marathons through the mountains. And there's a lot of tour operators that specialise in getting. So think Nepal mm-hmm. and the traveller that goes up into the mountains to do a walk. And then they'll come back to the city and they'll enjoy the food and perhaps go to a few museums or just enjoy the people or... Um, so that traveller? Yeah. So quite broad. So the people who come with me are a fairly broad demographic, yep. but are curious. Mm. You'd have to be relatively active. Sure. Have ability to, not active, yep. but at least be mobile because there's only one main road that goes throughout the uh, country. However, it has offshoots up mm. each valley, but it seems like a tiny country and you think, oh, that's nothing. We can get around there in no yep. time. You could be travelling for six hours and you've gone round and up and <laughs> round and back and whatever, and we've gone from Glenelg to Adelaide. Correct. The like city. And yet yep. we've gone via Victor Harbour and we've gone up via the Brasa and we've followed every valley yep. and we've we've had a wonderful day, <laughs> but we've actually only gone 30 kilometres as a crow flies. So, But that in itself is fascinating because the royal family of whom they revere, yeah. they just revere. There's no such thing as the rule, the, and that's a, that's 
inherited. However, the royal family is so humble. Mm. They work for the people. Everyone loves them. The the princess at the moment comes from a village and she's just she's a local girl yep. and so there's nothing And you're totally all on the same roads. Absolutely all on the same road. So we're all sitting in the traffic Hello, or sitting on the rain road. <laughs> yes. And that's it. And you think, what's special about that car? And they'll mm. say, Oh, that's that's a royal family. They're just going back to the village to because their mother's visiting their mother for the birthday yep. or something. That's Gorgeous. amazing. Joe, before we let you go, and thank you again for talking to us about Bhutan, can you tell us your experience in terms of, as I mentioned before, it, it, I guess it's the kind of holiday we, a lot of us, we get home and we look at our photos and we think, gee, we had a great time. But do you walk away from Bhutan slightly different as a person? Is it uh, reflective? Is it introspective? Is it that kind of holiday where you, you know, it's, it's a good thinking holiday. You'd come away a different person after experiencing Bhutan than perhaps before you arrived. It's a destination and experience that you feel privileged to visit. Mm. To me, it's like Antarctica or a, 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 you, you're taken, not many people travel to Bhutan. Yep. And so you're not at mass tourism you're a and you're so view. revered and you're so welcome. Yep. It's like going to your favourite person's home and you're a guest mm. and they couldn't do enough for you. It's an absolute privilege and you never hear a raised voice. You never hear any sense of aggression yep. or anger and it's peaceful and calm and quiet. And if ever you could have a holiday, that's what it feels like. Yep. Because it's like if there's a Shangri-La or a Nirvana, <laughs> that's, <laughs> this it's, is like, it. it's Bhutan. This mm. is it. You can even go to the post office and get a stamp of yourself. You and can. Send it back they to your do friends. that, Lee. They do. <laughs> they really do. That's incredible. You can put your own. They'll make if you take some photographs, yep. take little photographs or passport-sized photographs, a photograph. They make up stamps mm. for you. This is one of the things you do in Timbu, <laughs> the capital, and you actually get real. Yep. S- franked postage stamps that you can put on your postcards to send back to Australia, wherever, and it's got your face on it. You get your home, you've yeah. got a postcard from Joe yeah. McLaren having yeah. a great time in Bhutan, yeah. and there you are in the top right-hand corner. Yeah, that and when we incredible. say postcards, yep. just on that for a moment, because we're in the mountains, we're in a kingdom, mm. we're in a natural, beautiful part of the world, so I used to, got a little SIM and put in, a local SIM and put in my card so I connect to yep. our local ground operators, but apart from that... Uh, you're off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> I love a holiday like that. Joe McLaren, thank you so much for that. If you want to find out more about Bhutan, come to Phil Hoffman Travel. There are 10 offices right around town. pht.com.au. Check out the social media channels and ask for Joe. Sit down and you too will uh, enjoy the experience of Bhutan. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Lee.